So we are in a series called Advent, and um, we're, it's called Rejoice, Rejoice. And what we're celebrating is the birth of Jesus, as we do every Christmas. Um, and uh, we've been talking through some ancient text uh, that was written by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before Jesus came. And it gives Jesus some titles, and we've been talking about some of these titles and some other ones as well. Like the first week, we talked about the fact that it's Emmanuel, God with us, that God is actually with us, not only through Jesus, but also through the presence of the Holy Spirit. We talked about Jesus as Prince of Peace, and we talked about the fact that we can't experience the peace of God until we come under the authority of Jesus, that, that he's a prince And so a prince rules. And so for us to experience the peace, we have to be under his rule. And then last week, we talked about Jesus as a wonderful counselor. We'll review some of that this week to just go over the six things, just six of the many, many ways Jesus counsels us. But this... uh, Uh, morning, I want to talk about uh, this, again, this verse, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Again, this is a, a picture of authority. And he will be called, and this is what we talked about last week, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. So we didn't necessarily do it in that order, um, but This was the one that I wanted to save for last because for those of you who have been around Christianity a long time, you uh, think about, you know, Father and then Son and then Holy Spirit. And so um, we have, uh, you don't think of Jesus being called Everlasting Father or actually the text says um, Father of of Eternity. Uh, because he's the son. So how can, how can we call Jesus everlasting father? Well, my hope this morning is that by the time I get done, I will have convinced you uh, that Jesus does a really good job of being able to be called everlasting father. So when you talk about the idea of fathers, um, oftentimes, you'll, you'll, most of the time, you'll probably think of your own, your own father because we all have some tor- type of earthly father. Maybe you don't know your father. Maybe your father left when you were little. You never met your father. Maybe your father is awesome. I happen to be blessed uh, with a father that I love, that uh, did the best he could, and uh, I know he loves me. He says he's proud of me. Um, And so I'm very, very fortunate. And I realize that a lot of people might not have had that growing up or might not have it now. You might have thought your father was a certain way all the way along And then all of a sudden, uh, you find out he was someone different the entire time. And you feel dejected, you feel rejected, you feel like, man, was this all a fraud? Was my childhood a fraud? That that could be your your reality. Some, Some fathers can be abusive in many different ways, and that might be your reality as well. Maybe your father was a workaholic and was never around and had the whole narrative of, look, I'm trying to provide, I'm trying to provide, I'm trying to provide, and you just never really saw him, and he wasn't around. And that's the problem with earthly fathers. I mean, I'm an earthly father, and I can just speak on my own, um, from my own e- example. Like, there are things that I 
would do that I thought I was doing the right thing, like honestly, and then it turns out, well, that was dumb. Why, 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 did, you, why did you do that? If you look at videos of me, when my kids first went into soccer, when they were like five or six, like I just want those videos destroyed. Like I was trying to encourage them, but I was screaming like a maniac. And so, so that was me as a father. And, and you could go down the line. You, you, could, you could try to be a provider as a, uh, and we don't, we could just say parent or a provider and end up spoiling, right? End up raising entitled children. We could be protector, which is very good, and end up raising children who've never experienced pain or, or discomfort at all. And, and so as they get older, they have no way of coping with the pain and all that stuff that's, that's going to come in their lifetime. We could be a disciplinarian because we want them to have self-control and to be, um, you know, uh, no right from wrong and to make sure everything's done on time. And then when they get to college, they're just like, woo, they go crazy because they've just been under this. Well, they probably don't have guns, but uh, they've been raised under like a disciplinarian. You could be friend to your kid. And then all of a sudden, as they age, you realize, oh, man, I've never like disciplined them at all. I was, just, I was just buddy, and now they have no discipline. You, there are some things you can do all this time, and then you finally realize at the end, man, I messed up 15, 20 years of parenting. That's what happens with earthly fathers. That's what happens with broken vessels trying to do their best. But I have good news for you. You have a heavenly father who's perfect, you have a heavenly father that you can know his heart and he can know your heart. You have a heavenly father that doesn't make mistakes. You have a heavenly father that knows you better than anyone else knows you. You have a heavenly father that knows you better than you know you. Furthermore, you have a heavenly father whose opinion of you is the only opinion that ultimately really matters. So you might have spent your whole life trying to get approval from your parents. Their opinion doesn't really matter. That would be nice. It's the opinion of your heavenly father. And sometimes he chastises and sometimes he encourages and sometimes he's silent and sometimes uh, it might feel like he's absent, but he's not. And so what I want to do this morning is show you how you can know that heavenly father in a way that maybe you hadn't thought of before. Maybe you had a picture of your heavenly father that matched more like your earthly father, good or bad. So here's the setup. Jesus was walking around and um, it was the Sabbath. And to kind of understand this, for the Pharisees and the relig that, that Jewish religion at the time, the Sabbath was like the biggest deal in the world. And, it, and rightly so, because God created the Sabbath. The difference is God created the Sabbath for man. He didn't create man for the Sabbath. And so God had just a few rules. Hey, don't work during the Sabbath. Rest. You need your rest. As with all the things that God puts in the Bible, it is for our good. There's not just the list of stuff you can't do. He just knows that if you do it and you continually do it, you will not become the person that you're supposed to become. You're going to miss out on following righteous living. And that, there's a, a real reward with that. And so he, he gives the Sabbath and then the Pharisees who are 
they, they, they were in power and they had taken everything and just added to it. And they added all these extra laws onto the law that God created only for us to, uh, to help us. And so on the Sabbath, the Pharisees, you couldn't work, but the Pharisees had a whole long list of things you couldn't do. You couldn't walk a certain distance. Like that was not in the Bible. You couldn't, you know, there, you couldn't help one of your animals. You could just all these different things that they had. So Jesus heals a guy on the Sabbath and they freak out. Well, how can you heal on the Sabbath? You know, you're not, you know, you're evil and all this kind of stuff. So Jesus, in his defense, Jesus says to them, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. First point I wanted to point out is that your heavenly father is not just sitting up in the sky not doing anything. He is working. Now, I oftentimes don't understand how that happens or what I think he should be working on. Like, you know, and, and so uh, I can understand that. But he's always at work. He's at work on you. He's at work in me. He's at work all around us. And so Jesus says, look, if my father is working to this very day, then I'm going to work. Because I'm going to do whatever my father is doing. You ever seen a kid follow his mom or dad and begin to mimic them? It can be very um, enlightening when your kid starts to have mannerisms that you have, and then you realize, oh no, they got that from me. You know, you're like, okay, daddy's going to get very upset now. Don't watch. Don't do what I'm going to do. But with our heavenly father, whatever he does, we can do. And that's what Jesus was saying. Look at their response. For this reason, they all the more tried to kill him. All he, said, all he does is heal someone and say, look, I'm going to do whatever my father is doing. That's the work I'm going to do. Why would they want to kill him? Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Now, this is one of the verses that we get the idea that Jesus was God. You, you say, where does that come from? There are several verses, and we'll see some more later, that talk about Jesus uh, saying that I, I and the Father were the same, like, like I'm the reflection of my heavenly Father. And so he's making himself out to be God, and here's how he answered. He gave him this answer very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Not the least of which will be Jesus rising from the dead. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. So you start to get this idea with Jesus and why we can call him everlasting Father is because he's doing exactly what his Father is doing. They, they become basically mirror images of each other. My dad, um, his name is George, but everyone calls him Chip. Um, that's what everyone calls him. And uh, he got that nickname, being a chip off the old block. 
like being like his dad. And you've probably seen people like this. And sometimes they get good traits of their mom and dad. Sometimes they get bad traits of their mom and dad. But they begin to mirror who they are so much so that you could be talking to the son knowing that's exactly what the father would say because they're so in sync. And this is what Jesus is saying. In Hebrews, it says this. This is so amazing. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So, here's the good news. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what God thinks about you, if you want to know how God would respond in different situations, you only have to look at Jesus. He is the radiance and exact representation of God. So if you think of your heavenly father as not being very compassionate, well, you look to, you look to Jesus. He looked out over the crowds and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. If you think of your heavenly father as being kind of angry all the time and like, you know, is thunder him just yelling at me? Like, if that's how you think of him? Well, Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy, it says in the Bible. Jesus was joyful, which means your heavenly father is joyful because Jesus is the exact representation of your heavenly father. If you think God is just up there stoic and has no emotion at all, well, Jesus wept when his friend died. And so, does God get angry? Yeah, one time Jesus, <laughs> he's sitting in the temple, and I don't know if he went, because there was like all sorts of stands where you could buy stuff, and uh, I don't know if he like went to the rope stand and like bought a bunch of rope, or if he just had it in his pocket, but it says he sat there and he fashioned a whip. So he's just like looking around, getting all keyed up, they're they're taking advantage of people, and, and that just makes God angry if you take advantage of the marginalized. And so he makes this whip, and he just goes around whipping people because they were cheating poor people. And so, yeah, your heavenly Father can get angry. Jesus got angry. Any emotion, anything you see in Jesus, that's the exact representation of your heavenly Father. It goes on. It says, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So Jesus comes down, okay? This is why we celebrate Christmas. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the, and the authority uh, will be placed upon, the government will be placed upon his shoulders and he will be called Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. So that's what we, that's what we um, celebrate, this, His coming. But that's just the beginning, because at Easter what we celebrate is the fact that He provided this purification for sins. That He died for our sins, was buried, and rose again in three days, exactly as He said He would, because His Heavenly Father told Him to. And so He did it. That's what Hebrews says. So then uh, I wanted to go through um, 
just some dis discourse between him and the disciples as well, because this is like really hard to grasp. I, I get it. It's like the Trinity is tough to understand because what happened was when Jesus leaves, you've got God the Father up there. You have Jesus the Son up there. And then what's down here? Well, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. That's how we get the idea of the Trinity. And that's not the only place. We get it also from uh, the idea that uh, when Jesus was baptized, he rose out of the water, and uh, God the Father says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. So you have a representation of God the Father. You have the representation of Jesus being baptized. And then the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And so there you have all three of them. And so I don't know, Mark, if you're ready for me and the piano, um, but uh, the... Um, uh, you can kind of represent it as a, as a chord, okay, uh, on a piano. So if you have um, uh, a piano chord, uh, you've got three notes, right? So the root would be the father, um, the middle one would be the son, and the third one would be the Holy Spirit. So I don't think I prayed it, but if you imagine me at a, at a, at a, at a keyboard, and so you just have the one, you get the root, that's God the Father. You get the second one, the middle one, that's Jesus the Son. And then you have the third one, that's the Holy Spirit. And when you press all of those down, you get a much richer sound. You get a much, uh, a, a fuller picture of, uh, of who God the Father is. And that's similar to how it is with our Heavenly Father and Jesus and, and um, the Holy Spirit. So here's, here's what happens. He's talking again, and he cries out, and he says, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. So he's saying now we're getting into belief. Okay, if you're going to, like, put your life into, like, understanding who I am, you're not, it's not just me. It's, the represent, it's who I represent, God the Father. But the one who sent me, this, then he just comes out and says it. Again, this is how we get Jesus as God. Flat out, undeniably, Jesus says this. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. You want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. You want to know who your heavenly father is like? Just look at Jesus. He just says it flat out. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. Later on, he says this. I know that his command leads to eternal life so that whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Now, this is very exciting. If you want to know how God would talk to you, look how Jesus talks to you. This is why we did Wonderful Counselor last week. And I'd encourage you, if you haven't uh, listened to that one, Jesus gives you, if Jesus is your wonderful counselor, he gives you some wonderful counseling. Okay. And so um, he says, um, like, for example, Jesus says, um, don't worry about how others live. Don't judge, or you're going to be judged according to the standard that you judge others. That's really good advice. And I'm really glad Jesus preached on that. But what he was giving were the words of his heavenly father, that, that, that your heavenly father was giving Jesus to give to you. He says, uh, don't be anxious about anything. 
Don't, don't worry about that. That's your heavenly father talking to you through the words of Jesus. He says, just tell the truth. He says, don't let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't need to come up with excuses. You don't need to do all that. Well, guess what? That's your heavenly father telling you that. Jesus is just the mouthpiece. He just says what the father has told him to say. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount to forgive. Well, your heavenly father's telling you to forgive. He says, don't worry about what others think about you. Isn't that amazing? Like as a father or a parent, like, or if you're, if you're a student and you come home and you've had a bad day at school or a bad, you know, you're in college or elementary school or whatever, or a bad Zoom meeting and you don't think people like you, um, then you, uh, you come to your parent and they say what? You don't need to worry about them. Why? Because I love you. Your family loves you. Like you're going to be okay. Your heavenly father is telling you the same thing. Don't worry about what others think. You don't have to put on a show for your church or for anybody else. It's your heavenly father. And Jesus told you that because the heavenly father told him to say it because those things are important. So I was telling you about the dialogue between um, the um, disciples. And um, so Thomas, Thomas, okay, this is just, I'm going to get this off my chest. Thomas gets a bad rap because we have a name for Thomas. And you can probably know it. I can't hear you behind the camera, but it's what? Doubt, exactly, right? So there's eight people in here and they're all wearing masks and are bathed in Purell. So that's safe. Um, <laughs> so uh, we call him Doubting Thomas, but you know what I call him? Like Reasonable Thomas. Like everything Thomas talks, says is re reasonable. If he doesn't understand something, he asks for clarification. Like he's pragmatic Thomas. Let's just start calling him that. It's been thousands of years. The guy's been like just really thrown under the bus. John 14:5. Thomas, pragmatic, reasonable Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? That is just like a really great question. You know, Jesus says, look, I'm going away. I, you know, and, you know. and he's like, well, how, how, how do we know? Where, where are you going? And Jesus says this, this is so cool. Jesus answered, well, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to the Father, but no one goes to the Father through me. Because I'm the example of who the Father is. So when you have a relationship with me, you have a relationship with your Heavenly Father. Because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is why when I talk to people and they say, well, you know, what about other religions and other things? Hinduism, Buddhism, Muslim. My response is, well, that's, you could see parts of God through those religions. But you're not seeing God. Because Jesus is the exact representation of who God is. Jesus is the way, the truth, the light. No one comes to the Father. Um, but through me, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him. Uh, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip says this. 
okay, just show us the Father, and that'll be enough. Like, pull back the curtain. Where is he? Like, have him show up here. That'll be enough for us. That's all you have to do. Just show us the Father. One little thing. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Do you want to know the heart of your heavenly Father? Look at the heart of Jesus. That for your heavenly Father so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the heart of your heavenly Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when, uh, when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least, at least believe the works uh, themselves. Now, you say, John, that's really great. If I want to know the heart of God, then I look to Jesus. Well, it, it's more than that. Because now you have your heavenly Father who's in heaven. You have God, uh, you have Jesus in heaven, the second part of the Trinity, the second note. And the third note is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is at work here on earth currently. You say, well, where's Jesus? This is so exciting. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. This means that when people see you, they're supposed to see the heart of Jesus, which is the heart of our Heavenly Father. That the church, the gathering, whether it's online or physically, the, the Bible calls it the ecclesia, that when you see the church, you're supposed to see Jesus. And that's not always been the case for the church. We've lost our way a lot of ways. When we, it was really cool, these last couple of weeks, we were able to, we normally have this giant event on our church to help uh, the kids in Garden Grove that are the most needy. And uh, last year it was a thousand, a thousand kids. Well, we can't, we couldn't have that event. And so we just went to the low income, we have two low income apartments uh, next to us, next to our church. And we were able to bless them through uh, an agency called Project Access. And so people from Living Spring came, we were socially distanced, we wrapped up presents. That, that's what Jesus would do. Jesus would bring presents to kids next door, Right? On Thursday, we passed out food, lots of cars. We give them a box of food. We, like I mentioned, we do it the first and third Thursday of, uh, of the month. And so when we're able to pray with them, well, that's, that's what Jesus would do. You know, we, we, that's why Living Spring exists, is to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. It's not to have a building. It's not to ha be, you know, have nice things. It's to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. When you go to work or a Zoom meeting or to school or another Zoom meeting, you become Jesus there. It says, Jesus says it this way, I'm in the Father, the Father is in me, and you're in me, and I'm in you. It's called abiding. And that's the reality of it. John 14 
uh, 12 says it this way. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works. <laughs> he doesn't say whoever believes in me will believe in a whole long list of doctrines. Those things are very, very important. I, I teach them until my armpits sweat. They're important to me. But if we're not doing the works that he's been doing and be doing even greater things than these because he's going to the Father, which leaves the church guided by the Holy Spirit to be the representation. As the worship band returns, um, this one might have been uh, heady uh, for you, um, or I, I don't know. But what I wanted you to get uh, out of this was that uh, knowing the Father... You want to know your heavenly father? Look at Jesus. And then you say, well, what am I supposed to do with that? And what you're supposed to do with it is then model your life, your holiness, your decisions after Jesus as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to, um, uh, uh, and Mark, uh, Richard, can you help with the board real quick? Um, we're going to sing one more song. It's called Good, Good Father. And um, just another reminder of how great our Father is. And at this point, you might be thinking to yourself, hey, um, you know, when I'm in those meetings, when I'm posting online, when I'm uh, with people or socially distanced from people, what kind of representation of Jesus am I? And for Living Spring, as just a general uh, church uh, group, a general gathering online or here, um, how are we doing? And uh, just let the Lord speak to you as we sing this song, and then I'll come up later and uh, give us the blessing. If you're at home or somewhere where you can stand, would you just stand for the blessing? Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that trinity that we were talking about this morning. May you go this week in his peace, in his joy, and in his care. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, have a great week, and we will see you next week.